0: of the great King, we come together now to worship Him, this house is built on Christ our rock, cannot be shaken, cannot be shaken, God is awesome. saints his presence as we sing his praise there is power here for miracles set the captives free make the broken whole. god is awesome of the great King, we've come together now to worship here. this house is built on Christ our rock cannot be shaken. We sing his praise. There is power here for miracles. Set the captives free. Make the goats. we will grow in this place Lord seeking your face there's miracles yes Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our strength arises, we wait.
1: So yes, oh Lord, how great and how glorious you are. How mighty. How wonderful. We magnify your name. Family, let's magnify his name this morning. Yes. yes. I want to read Psalm 34. Psalm 34 speaks of the character of the love of God as we respond to him. And as he responds to us, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears, and those who look to him are radiant. I'm seeing some radiance in some faces here this morning. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry but the face of the lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth the righteous cry out and the lord hears them he delivers them from all their troubles the lord is close to the brokenhearted he saves those who are crushed in spirit The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones, not one of them are broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord rescues his servants, and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Let's magnify the Lord.
2: I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from every fear those who look on Him our dears, they'll never be ashamed, they'll never be ashamed, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard me, and saved me. a the Lord.
0: Father, just love your presence as we sing, our Father. We are seated in heavenly places, God We are seated right now with you, Lord Glory forever, Amen. What belongs thing yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power.
3: Isn't it amazing that when we come to the Lord, we come as we are. We come and we meet Him in the reality of what's going on in our lives. We we don't come into a time of worship and into a service like this, leaving our lives behind. We bring it all to the Lord. We bring all this, the struggles of the week. we bring to the Lord. All the joys, the victories, we bring it all to the Lord and He meets us right where we are. We don't have to be pre- pretending that we're something that we're not. We come in spirit and in truth, in the truth and the reality of who we are and what's going on in our lives. And the Lord meets us and he, he comforts us, He shows His compassion towards us, He strengthens us, He celebrates with us, and He continues to work in our lives to transform us, to become more and more like Jesus. So, whatever's been going on in your life, whatever you are dealing with at the moment, good or negative, Won't you right now bring it to the Lord as we begin our time together in sharing the word just before that, that we pray together. So let's just pray together. Father, I thank you. Thank you that we can meet you in the truth and the reality of who we are and come and bring all the aspects of our lives to you, Lord. That there's nothing that you're disinterested in, but that you care for us in the totality of our humanity and our human experience. But thank you, Lord, that you don't only care, but that you work that you strengthen us, that you change us, that you transform us, Lord, into the more and more to be like Jesus and the more that you have for us. And I pray today for every person that's joining us on this this broadcast that we would be experiencing just your, your presence with us and your transforming power in our lives and in every situation that we face. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, it's so great to have you with us today and to share this moment with you. We're gonna take up the offering and uh, I would like you to get ready to continue to give. Give as you have been doing with grateful hearts, with such joy and generosity to give to the Lord out of his provision for you, to give your tithes and your offerings. And as there is always, there's, uh, the information will come up on your screen and just follow the bank account. If you pay into the bank account or the snap scan if you want to make use of that, you just snap this QR code with your phone and, uh, and make the payment as you want to. So why don't you make use of those facilities right now and let's give to the Lord because he is so gracious and so kind to us and he is our provider. We've been journeying through talking about prayer for the last couple of weeks and I wonder how you've been experiencing it how, how has it been helping you and encouraging you are you praying more are you getting closer to the Lord in prayer more and, and certainly it's been encouraging us to just pray and spend time with the Lord even in our family and I trust that as we've been talking about these things it's not it doesn't really help that we talk about prayer but it doesn't really cause us to pray more or to come to the Lord more and to grow closer to the Lord. And I trust that you're experiencing that. If, you, if you're not experiencing that yet, can I encourage you? Keep on praying, keep pushing in, keep knocking, and the door will be opened up to you. Today, we want to continue in our series, and we're going to talk about Job and uh, talk about prayer as we see it happen in the book of Job. And in fact, we're going to start today and then we're going to continue next week. And we're going to do these two weeks about the book of Job. And the, and, uh, the, the reason why we want to go to the book of Job also is because there, there's quite a bit in the book of Job that helps us during difficult times and that shows us God's perspective and how to think and how God what God's truth looks like in times of, of suffering and struggling. And as we all know, we're going through a particular time in the world where there's the reality of struggling and suffering that's so close to us. Uh, just yesterday, we had a memorial service for a person that in the South Church that is that we know well that passed away, George, from uh, COVID-19. And uh, it's real. The numbers are climbing. We're seeing the effects of it. It's, but it's not just numbers. It's people we know in both churches. There's a number of people that have been infected and affected by COVID-19. And, and then there's the other struggles and realities of life and, that we go through. And you know, the truth about whenever we go through a time of suffering, it always surprises us and has a shock element to it. It, it always, in a sense, catches us of God and and it has the potential when we go through really difficult times of struggling to completely disorient us and derail us and to to sort of knock us off our game and can leave us in a place where we just don't know how to respond and what to do and it, and it can cause great questions to come in our heart big questions and even that we can begin to 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 question who god is and how 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 does god deal with struggling and our suffering and how does he position himself towards that and and that's where the book of job is is a is a great read for us to come to because i think it's very important that when we go through times of struggling and times of suffering and and when we do experience how it disorients us that we don't just trust on or don't trust on our human wisdom and our human understanding and, and, and emotions even, but that we do come to the truth of God's word that helps us to give us a sure foundation and, and, a, and a good way to look at what is God seeing? What is, what is God's perspective on what is happening? And that helps us to find our way through times of struggle. So that's part of why we're going to look at the book of Job today. And Natasha's really going to share with us and help us to understand the book of Job. And uh, we're going to read certain sections and some of them are going to be a bit lengthy. But uh, perhaps you can start off, Natasha, just telling us about the book of Job and what is, what is it really about.
4: So the book of Job is not like any other book around suffering um, in the Bible. The book of Job is about a righteous man. This is not a man that did anything wrong. This is a righteous man. That was his testimony on earth and in heaven, that he was a righteous man. Um, And then we have this interesting uh, phenomenal that happens where there's a conversation between God and Satan, where God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, uh, have you considered this righteous man? And this, there's much more to this, but maybe we can read yeah. chapter 1, verse 9 to 12.
3: Yeah, let me read for you this conversation that Natasha is referring to that took place uh, as it's recorded in the book of Job, in uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Does, does Job fear God? Oh, sorry, I must start at, yeah, sorry, verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. If I understand this correctly, what actually, what Satan was saying here is, of course God, Job would would be a righteous man. Of course he would be a good person that tries to do good by God because God is protecting him. God is blessing him. Uh, He's saying Job's only being a good person because it it serves his purposes. He's saying that Job is actually self-centered and that the only reason he's doing what God wants him to do is because he gets the benefits out of it. Look at all the blessings that Job has received from God because he does good. And, and he actually says to God, if you remove the blessings from him, let's see what he does then. Then he's going to turn on you because it won't serve his purpose anymore.
4: Yes, and then, uh, I mean, then the first testing happened. And in that first testing, everything, um, his camels were stolen. He was attacked by three different tribes. His children died uh, in one go. So he lost everything that was near and dear to him. He completely lost. and But somehow he he somehow, you know, didn't fall apart. Yeah. He somehow kept the faith. And yeah. we see that yeah from verse
3: 20 Yeah, onwards. in verse 20 it says, At this Job got up and, and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the lord has taken away may the name of the lord be praised in all this job did not sin by charging god with wrongdoing so in a sense he disproved what satan was saying he's satan said god is only job is only serving god because he gets the benefits out of it if you remove your hand from him, if you remove your hand of blessing from him, and the blessings depart from him, he's going to turn on you. So Satan, God allows Satan, now God didn't take anything from Job, but he did allow Satan to then take from Job. So Satan takes, takes away all these physical material blessings that Job has, but Job doesn't turn on God. He continues to worship God. He still yes. says, well, everything I had, God gave to me. So if God wants to take it away, that's God's desire. He still worships God. Yes. He doesn't prove the point that Satan is trying to make. And
4: and then Satan gets a little bit more frustrated with the whole story. So, So again, they appear before God and then God says to Satan, have you considered... My servant, Job. And then Satan says, yes, but skin to skin. You'll see in uh, Scripture talks about skin to skin. And what he's basically saying is that um, it's fine. Man can lose everything that is near and dear to him. But if you attack him, if you attack him physically, if you make him sick in his body, that will be too much pressure
3: for him. Yeah, let's read that from chapter 2, verse 3 to 10. That's quite a bit of, but just listen to this conversation that's happening in heaven between God and Satan. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? It's like God is bragging about Job. See, look, look, he's a good man. Uh, There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, He is in your hands, Put your, your must, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crowns of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish person. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. I mean, it's an amazing thing that, again, Satan raises the stakes. He says, Mm -hmm. if you affect Job's life. Yeah. He, then he will turn on you. But still Job does it. even though this is real suffering. And it, it makes me think of how Jesus described Satan in, in, in John 10, where he says he's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no good in his heart towards us. He, this is what he wants to do with every person's life. Take everything away from us. Steal from us. Because he has a particular view of us as humanity. And How would you describe how Satan yeah, sees think- us as people?
4: This is the thing for me that is quite life-changing in studying the book of Job, is the, is the fact that we must understand that, Job, that, that, that Satan completely hates humanity. He, he thinks of Job and of humanity as biological beings, as mere mortals, as ash, um, he, he's disgusted with them and it comes out all over the place in his speeches he 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 there's there's not. he cannot believe that that man has any form of goodness in themselves um, and that uh, that man would be able to love god and that god would be able to love man so when when satan deals with man he deals with man out of that hatred not of just hatred towards god because of man Man and that God created man, but hatred towards man—he he he completely wants to devour man. There is nothing good. That's why he was convinced that if he puts pressure on Job through removing all, you know, by attacking him on all the levels of his life, of of completely destroying his family, completely destroying, uh, you know, stealing and devouring everything uh, in the community that he lived in and completely attacking his body. That under that pressure, Job, because he's a mere human being, a mere biological piece of rubbish, because of that, he will fall under pressure. And I think it's so important for us to, to understand that, that Satan was expecting, he, there was, he completely expected that Job was not going to survive this.
3: He had, it, it, he had such a low view of man. Yeah. He, he, in a sense, didn't believe that it is possible for a man to actually love But that everything a man does, and Job in particular in this you know, this is a personification of man, he does for self preservation and selfish reasons. That nothing he does has any virtue or real good or is for love. It's or a, that
4: he loves God in any way. He, yeah. he just, man, Job will just do what he does uh, and uh, just to please God because he, out of fear that God would destroy him, you know. Um, and so out of a complete understanding of, uh, you know, I have to look after myself out of that idea of self-preservation. Self-pres- yeah. So it's like
3: man has no no real dignity and worth in him. He's just a a, a product of his environment. And all he does is to just get the best out of his environment. There's There's no higher purpose. There's no real morality in him. And that's the view that Satan has of man. And that's where we see how God's views are so different.
4: So amazing.
3: So amazing how and fantastic how God says, no, 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 there's much more to man than that. And that's why God allows Job to be put to the test because he knows that Job will, will rise to the occasion and that Job, the, the goodness that is in Job will surface. And remember that goodness comes from the fact that he knows that he made man in his own image, yes. that he made man with mm-hmm. the moral capacity that he has. He made man with the capacity to love because the way God loves because he made man in his image. So so he put faith and trust in that which he, he invested in man and yeah. what he breathed into man when he made him. And so we see these two completely opposite views of man.
4: How how God believes in man. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That for me, um, in suffering, um, um, just that emphasis on understanding that God, that you are go you might feel so alone in the suffering but that you are not alone that God believes in you he he has faith in you that you can you, can, you can, you'll make it you'll get through this you know
3: and I mean we so often see it don't we how in times of great suffering people surprise us because they there's such goodness that can come out of them that that so often it, that when people are, are are at the at the worst state in life and where they've lost everything, they can still care for somebody, and yeah. even during this pandemic across the world, we've yeah. seen so many situations of where people have stepped out and and offered help and and are are, are caring for others because man has that capacity yes. and God really believes in that capacity. Yeah. He really uh, trusts that ability yeah. in us. For the good to come out of us. Uh, and therefore, he counteracts what Satan did. But, yes. but now let's see how Job responds to this. Because it's like there's an argument in the heavens. And, and the argument is fought through Job's life. Yeah. So Job almost is in the position where he's going to prove the point. Is he going to prove what Satan yeah. says? And
4: he doesn't know what is going on. Yeah, he doesn't he know what's going on. He he's, not, he's
3: not privy to the argument in heaven. But he, he is going to either prove what Satan says or he's going to prove what God says. So so how does Job respond? And let me read chapter 3, verse 7 to 9 uh, to you. After all the struggle that he's been through, this is part of how, how Job what starts happening in Job's life. May that night be barren. May no shout or joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rise, rays of dawn. These words tell me that something is starting to collapse in Job's yes. life. Yes. Yes. there's something that's starting to fall apart now he he the the pressure is becoming great upon him yes and and what is it that is now collapsing in him why yeah. why, why was he entering into a moment of crisis here
4: yeah so when he speaks here this is just a short uh, three verses out of a long speech that that job starts uh, gives to in front of his friends because his friends came to visit him and and um, yeah, where we see where it talks about Leviathan, it says, "May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. Leviathan was an ancient uh, uh, agent of um, of disorder. It was of chaos. And Job was was in the speech. He was cursing the day that he was born. Didn't curse God, but he was cursing the day that he was born. He was what he was basically saying through all of that is he said." Please that it would have been better if if God never created the heavens, the world, uh, it, it would have been better if there was still chaos on this world. That is what he's talking about when he, when he talks about Leviathan and he see, he's basically saying that this trauma that I'm going through is, is so chaotic for me. It's, it's bringing so much chaos in my life that, that it would have been better if I wasn't born or if I was still born or if the, the, earth and everything was not created at all because there was a complete collapse of his understanding of how the world
3: worked. We've got to understand in this that he's not cursing God. He's not actually in these words turning against God. He's What he is struggling with though, is that his way of understanding the world, his worldview. A worldview is how we make sense of the world and how we respond to the world that we live in. That worldview was was being broken down by what he was experiencing, and it was starting to collapse. and, and, and it's like the house of cards that he built to live in through his mind was now being torn. And and, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when the New Testament talks of when the wind blows and, and it comes, it's like there's this, this threat against your house that you yeah. have built. And his house that he has built and lived in is now collapsing. His understanding of how the world works. Yeah, is collapsing. Not, he's not turning against God, but he's saying, this understanding that I've had that has created for me a place of safety, no longer makes sense and therefore there's chaos. And that's part of what it yeah. happens to us when we go through a times of suffering. It, it makes us to ask the questions of, but how does the world work then? Um, and often it's not really what the book of Job is about, but the reality that happens is somebody, something bad happens to a person and we look at them and we say, why did that happen to that person? It's a good or why person. did it happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Mm. You know, and because it starts questioning our worldview yes. uh, and, and the, the time uh, that Job was living in, they had a particular worldview that yeah. you can describe as, as they had a retributive pattern to life. Yeah. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, a retributive, th- well,
4: a retributive theology that they had meant that uh, good things happen to good people. Uh, and bad things happen to bad people. Even if good things happen to bad people, it's only for a short period of time. So Job, they understood that if I keep the law, Job would sacrifice every time his children had a feast. They would, uh, he would go and sacrifice for in case they sinned, you know, so so they, if, if I sacrifice, if I keep the law, and if I keep on being that righteous man, then life should work out where God will bless me, um, and if but for those people who are bad people, bad things will happen to them, and that's what the doctrine of retribution is yeah. all about.
3: And we see it in his friends when they, his three friends yes. that came and spoke with him and tried to help him make sense of what's going on and make sense for themselves. They had a view that said, surely Job must have done something wrong. He must have sinned. He must have done something wrong. And he kept saying to them, but I've not done anything wrong. There is no cause and effect in this. There's no sum, neat sum that you can make here that says, because I did this, this happened. Um, and let's read in, in chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Consider now who being innocent has ever perished. This is what, he, what he's the one friend, friend
4: says here, Eliphaz. where
3: Eliphaz. Eliphaz. Where, where, where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God, they perish. At the blast of his anger, they are no more. The lions may roar and growl, yet the teeth of the great lions are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. they They were basically saying, the world works like this. And even the strong, this is the law. Of yeah. the world. If you do bad, you suffer the bad yeah. consequences. If you do good, you you will get a b- the benefits what you reap. of it. Yeah. And, and what Job okay, was experiencing didn't said. fit into that mm. pattern, that worldview yeah, yeah. of this.
4: Yeah. You will reap what you sow. That's basically what they believed. And when he speaks here, um, Eliphaz, as he was giving the speech, and he says here, my ear caught a whisper of it, um, a secret a word was secretly brought to me. Actually, what he was talking about is that a night spirit came to visit him, uh, and that that word "spirit" there talks about a demonic spirit. In the Hebrew, it talks about a demonic spirit. So Eliphaz was was in the beginning with his friends and with Eliphaz, they they had an orthodox view of 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 what uh, the Jewish customs were and what the right way. To live was, um, and so it, they didn't start off with you know coming there to to pick a fight. They came to comfort Job, but then as they did not understand this, as they started getting upset with Job because he did not want to uh, repent of this. So at, at one night, then Eliphaz as he was going to bed and he was sleeping. He got like this uh, uh, spirit that visited him, and it seemed like it was something like like a nightmare. And after that, he even went more into this whole doctrine of reprob- reprob- retribution. Retribution, yeah. And,
3: and 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 this is the issue here that we see in developing, which I think is is what we even can link to in our days and 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 happens with us. We have a particular worldview that helps us make sense of the world and how to live in it. But then something happens, and it challenges that worldview, and it and it causes us to come into a time of Crisis, where where it feels like the world doesn't make sense anymore. There's chaos, yeah. and and it and it even gives us over to to anger and frustration and hatred and yeah. even you know the, we turn on each other because it just doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. And and what was happening here in the in the life of Job is that God was taking him to a to a deeper truth, to saying to him, but there's something. More that you have to understand. There's a greater wisdom here yes. that this wisdom of the retribution has some wisdom to it. I mean, it's yeah, wait, in the scripture. It wasn't.
4: Yeah, it's in scripture. It's absolutely in scripture. But there's something more to there's, this. There's
3: something more fundamental. There's a greater wisdom uh, that you need to live your life by. Remember, wisdom is the ability to live your life right according to God's principles. Yes. And there is the truth of Scripture. Is in Proverbs is full of it. The whole of the Scripture is full of it. If you do good, there's good things that come. But that's not the ultimate truth. Yeah. There was another truth that God wanted Job to understand, which is the foundational, everlasting truth that this world is built on from by God. Yeah. And that's the truth that that He needed Job to get to. So the the deconstruction of his worldview was a good thing, so that he could get to this fundamental truth. What is this fundamental truth that God wanted him to get?
4: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a good point that you're making there, Louis, that the deconstruction of our worldview happens often in a time of suffering, that everything falls apart and that we, we don't really understand um, exactly what is that that we believe sometimes, you know. So in the Bible, there's there's these three uh, levels of of, of wisdom uh, that the Bible would talk about. It will talk about just uh, wisdom that God gives that it that has to do with skill or academic knowledge or something like that. That would be level one wisdom. Level two wisdom would be, for instance, Job. Ah, not Job, uh, Proverbs. Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs would say, you know, if you are lazy and you don't get up and you're not faithful, you are going to be poor. So Proverbs would talk about... A common sense. It talks about social uh, abilities. You know, it talks about your ethical understanding or your understanding of morality. It it talks about how we live our lives, basically. That's what Proverbs talks about. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. And that's very much, you know, good if you do this, you know, that's going to happen. If you do that, that's going to happen. You know, so it's that kind of idea in Proverbs. And then the 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 wisdom that we start talk, talking about in Job, and that we see about God's wisdom, that for me is life-changing to understand. Is, Is that wisdom of God sending Jesus to come in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 24, Christ, the wisdom of God, beyond human wisdom? Uh, it was completely beyond human wisdom. It was counterintuitive. So, for instance, uh, you know, when we spoke about last week, we said that when we go through a time of suffering, that that God will work all things for the good for those who love love us. So what we basically said is that what that scripture means is that what whatever we go through, if we respond in the right way, like Romans eight explains to us, that we we become. More more like Jesus. We become more perfected like Jesus. So Jesus makes the difference. That kind of wisdom is not wisdom that we get out of our own strength. Yeah. That is, if you, if you read Romans 8, it talks about if your focus is on God, it leads to life and peace. If your focus is on the flesh, it leads to death. So it, it says, if I respond with my focus on God in a time of trial, tribulation or suffering, I will become more like Jesus that is godly wisdom yeah. and that is how job uh, it, that's, that's the wisdom that he is starting to learn in this whole uh,
3: Yeah it's in the story. New Testament in the scripture it often talks about the mystery of God yes and that's this wisdom. you see let, let me try and put it like this um, human wisdom which is not wrong that second level of wisdom yeah. says if you want good from somebody you have to uh, teach them the, the law the right way to do yeah. it and then give them incentives, and and the incentives is if they do good, they'll get good rewards, and, and and that's true. That's I mean that's how our education systems work. That's how our law works. We we all believe in that wisdom that 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 you uh, you know you work towards. Something to get you obeyed good.
4: the law, like the Pharisees did, for instance, in the New Testament. Yeah. They obeyed the law yeah. and they were teaching that. They were teaching an orthodox understanding of uh, Judaism. You know, yeah, that it was, you need it's to this keep idea it. that
3: to gain God's acceptance, I have to work for it, I have to do right. Yeah. God's wisdom. Flips it all on its head because God's wisdom says no. And it's a wisdom that I want to call the wisdom of grace. The wisdom of grace that says, no, I've made you in my image. You are my beloved. I love you and I accept you not because of what you do, but because I made you and I love you and you have value and, and, and goodness in you. And therefore I love you. And the good that you will do will be a result of the fact that I love you. Yes. And he so he flips it completely around and and so when Jesus comes into earth and walks among us to love the Father and the Father loves him, he comes and lives this life of a person that completely loves his father and does whatever his father will do, asks of him and this and then he goes to the cross and he pays for our sin so that we don't have to pay for it that 's the wisdom of God where god says i 'm going to forgive you based on my son's sacrifice. That, you see, that we'll never come to that yeah. wisdom on our own. That doesn't fit into the retribution yeah, theology. It's,
4: it's, like, it's like Romans 12. When Romans 12 talks about love your enemies, yeah. I mean, that was, that was not the yeah. <laughs> understanding of classical society. Yeah. You don't love your enemies. Remember when they
3: said to Jesus, an eye for an eye. Yeah. You know, if somebody does something against you, 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 you pay them back. But Jesus said no, and Jesus spoke about forgiveness. He says the only way you'll change the world is not if good people do good and bad people do bad and they get the results for it. Because if that's the world that we live in, what hope is there for us? Then we all deserve evil because we've all done evil. And we all deserve evil. And then it becomes that we're trying to balance the books and try and do a, bit good, a little bit more good than bad. Yeah. And then perhaps things will work in our favor. And God, how do
4: you know that you have done good? Yeah. You know, God says That, says that it no. was enough.
3: The wisdom of God says is I made you in my image and I love you. And therefore, when you have fallen in sin, the only way you can deal with that is not to try and be better, mm. but to give you, to give our lives to God, and so that he can, Transform by the blood of Christ, us. Yeah. wash away our sin, forgive us, and then the transforming work of power of Christ begins in us, to change us, and to re- reshape us, and to restore us back into the image that God has made us in us. Yeah. It's a completely different wisdom, and that's what God was wanting Job to understand, that this is not a transactional relationship that he has with Job. No. That he's not saying to Job, if you do this, then I will bless you. That's not the heart of God. That's not the foundation of his relationship with us. His foundation of his relationship with us is, you are my children and I love you. And I want to do good for you. I made you as, an, as, a, as a person to love, to, to, to bless, to, to do good for.
4: Yeah.
3: And there will be times where, where I will give you what you did not deserve and and sometimes there will be things that will happen and it, it doesn't fit the, the retributive principle of cause and effect. That's the worldview that God wants us to understand yeah. that goes deeper than this retributive theology and understanding.
4: That's why it's so important to run to God and yeah. not away from God. Because, uh, you know, that's what we read last time uh, in Psalm 23. Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me and you will lead me through that, you know, Uh, and and I love how Job never, you know, he never kind of, you know, shouted out to God and, uh, you know, just fell apart and towards his relationship with God. That I love how he's still in the midst of all the suffering, how he held on to God, and he, it says constantly, never sinned, he never ran away from God, yeah. you know? So I think our lives are very much like that as well. We, we, we need to understand that at the end of the day in suffering, it, 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 is, it is us sitting with a surrendered heart before God. Yeah.
3: I like what you're saying then. I think it's the it's the it's the deal for us is this that when we go through a time of difficulty and it shakes us, it, it shakes us to the core, when things happen to us that we can make no sense of, when we lose a, a, a loved one, when when our business falls apart and, and you can make no sense of it. Yes. That as Christians, we have a, a worldview that responds in this way that says, though all of this have happened, I know God made me and he loves me and he made me for good. And that I am more than whatever this situation is. I don't have to respond to this situation uh, merely by what this situation stimulates in me. I can rise in this and, and show the love of God. My love for God and his love for me is more than blessing. And that's what we said last week. We said, we quoted uh, that, that I can't remember who it was that said it, but we, God wants us to live more than just a blessed life, but a transformed, transformed life. Larry Crabb. Yeah. A transformed life that is a life that says, my love for God is unshakable as his love for me is unshakable because it's not dependent on how well or how bad it's going with yes. me. You see, Otherwise, it becomes this: actually, God starts serving our purposes. Yes, but and no. he,
4: we are the center of our world. Yeah, you know, and and but we want to be be the center of His world.
3: And that's the amazing wisdom of God again: that we enter into this relationship of trust and love, where we trust everything in our lives to Him, and He trusts us with so much, yeah. because it's a relationship of love. It's not a cause and effect. Good for good, bad for bad relationship. It's far more than that.
4: He does not panic because we are going through a tough time. Because he actually has faith in us. He has faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son, his Son, that lives in us, that and and, and that we have that resurrection power inside of us and that we can live. As overcomers, like Paul said, uh, with my God, I can jump over a wall. You know, for Paul, everything, he was an overcomer all the time because Christ who lives in him.
3: So to wrap this up, I I want to say you, you, you basically have a choice. How do you view your life and the world you live in? Do you agree with Satan that we are just mere products of material? You know, we're not worth much. We, we don't really have any good in us. And all we're trying to do is survive on this planet and scratch out some ink, inkling of a living and we just you know inf- do what the best we can. Or do you believe what God says about you? That there's much more to you. That you're a, a being made in His image. There's goodness in you. He, there's goodness in you. There's inherent goodness in you. And that you can display the very goodness and the love of God That's that's what can shine through you. And that's every one of our decisions. And I want to say today, you have to choose. I have to choose. We all have to choose which way do we go. And I want to ask you to choose what God views of you and how he sees the world. Because then we can all, and that's how we then transform this world. We don't only get changed, but we see the world change. Because we become the agents not of chaos, but the agents of good that brings God's order into this world because we, we love the way God loves. And I want to invite you in, and to, to today, if you haven't made that decision before, to make that decision. To recognize the goodness of God in your life. I want to read you a, a, a prayer that uh, I, I read recently. Somebody who's writing a book, uh, Tembalani uh, Gave me this book, and Lamin, Tembalani Dlamini gave me this, his book that he's writing, and I'm reading it. it. Tells his story of of his journey in life and growing up in a in a rural village in KwaZulu Natal, and uh, and just his life experiences and, and difficulties that he's went through. But the portion I want to read for you today is. The reason he gave his heart to Jesus, the the reasoning that happened in his mind. As a very young person, I think he was like eight years old or somewhere around there when this happened. And and these are his words. And it spoke to me so much. When he he was thinking about, should I give my life to Jesus? And what would be the reason for giving my life to Jesus? This is the argument that formed in his mind. He said this. I was poor. Jesus had lived the life of a poor man. I felt betrayed, but not unto death. Jesus was betrayed to the point of death. I had been falsely accused by a few, but he by a whole nation. I had been beaten up, yet not to the point of having flesh ripped from my bones. I had been mocked and ridiculed, but some of it was deserved. Jesus was forsaken only uh, only to be mocked by those he had created. I had been separated from my father and put in a hostile environment. He was forsaken by his father in the darkest hour in the history of the universe, hanging on a tree with nails through his hand and feet, condemned by the world to hang between two thieves. I had suffered rejection and humiliation, been derided for my skin color. Jesus was rejected and humiliated for all to see, derided for his divine nature. The more I glared at the molehill of my sorrows, the more they paled into significance at the mountain of the cross. There was nothing I had gone through that, had, that he hadn't gone through already. And that helps me just to say how much God values us. And that's God's wisdom. He loves us so much and believes in the good in us so much that Jesus came and went through all of this so that we don't have to live the lives of failure of just scraping by, but that we can live these lives of partaking in God's kingdom and in his divine wisdom. So today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, won't you make use of this opportunity when we end the service now? You're going you're gonna to see on the screen, we'll come up directions for prayer opportunities that you have where you can go right now and pray with somebody and uh, just follow the prompts as they come on the screen and somebody will be with you shortly and they will pray with you Uh, after the service there's also going to be a time of discussions questions um, that you can just talk through and and we know many people make use of those and so please do that and then there'll also be an opportunity for some announcements from both of the churches and stay online when we end the service now but I'm going to ask Natasha to pray for us and just to to pray for us today for um, just the wisdom of God and that we'll come to the Lord in our, in our prayer journeys with Him.
4: Father, so we want to just come to You. We want to run to You because You are our Father. We want to come and with our brokenness, with our misunderstandings, with our wrong thinking, our wrong doctrines, our, our not making sense of this world, we want to come as mere men and women before You. And we want to say, Lord, we surrender our lives before you. Help us, Lord, just to see your wisdom in every situation that we go through. Come, Holy Spirit, stir our hearts right there where every single person is, in their living rooms, wherever they are watching. Lord, that right now they would experience the goodness of your wisdom in this moment right now. And Father, I want to pray for wherever there is broken hearts, that you come, Jesus, and that you bind up the brokenhearted. And Lord, wherever there is confusion, that you would come and bring clarity and wisdom. We want to speak against any chaos in people's lives right now in Jesus' name. Where there is chaos because of circumstances and whatever has happened, we pray that the of God in the beginning was the light. And we want to speak that light of Jesus Christ into people's lives. And Lord, that you would come and bring order into people's lives in Jesus' name. So Lord, we just want to be um, just your children. We just want to want to run to you and just surrender our lives. And just want to say, Lord, that Even if we don't understand, we choose you in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Stay online for the announcements. And if you want somebody to pray with somebody, please follow the, the directions on your screen now and let people pray with you. May the Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye.